Hello and welcome to the Time Filler Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Emmerich. Um, I will not be joined by any of our traditional co-hosts today as I feel like I need a little bit of room to spit my takes on this pod. Um, And this is kind of the perk of being able to just hit record is um, to be able to get out some of these um, frustrations that I have with some fans after... um, the NFL draft. This is the draft recap. Uh, we did a little bit of a preview last week with executive producer Patrick Grubish. Um, and now I need to do a little bit of analysis in my own way. Um, and so here we go. Uh, I want to welcome Brett Lamb to the podcast game. He went on to the Midwest Coast here yesterday um, with Nick Malum and Jack Nelson. Um, so definitely want to welcome him to that. Um, and I'm definitely going to take some of his takes through the mud here as we do in the podcast game. Um, I was halfway through mowing my lawn listening to the Midwest Coast draft recap, and I realized that my hedges weren't what needed trimming, but it was actually some of the horrible takes that were being spit over on that pod. So I'm going to touch on a few main points that I've been seeing online here. Um, Like Lamb, I'm definitely active in Packers Twitter, And man, that place has been a dumpster fire the last couple days. Definitely have um, a lot of angst, a lot of people who are calling for Goody's head on a silver platter. Um, usually Usually when drafts get done, there is a little bit of this, but man, this year has been tough. And I'll be honest, and... My wife has definitely called me on some of this over the last couple of days. When when the first round was done, I was pretty pissed and I didn't really see the logic. Um, but more of what was upset upsetting to me was that seeing the end of Rogers and seeing that you know it really is you know getting to the end of his career. Um, look in the Packers' first round. So what happened? They were sitting at thirty. The wide receiver run happened in the late teens, early twenties. And who is left on their board? Obviously, the only guy left was Jordan Love. So they trade a fourth rounder and move up to get him. In a vacuum, it sounds horrible that you have a draft with how many first round wide receivers that everybody wanted and we didn't get one. But if you look at how the board fell, I'm guessing that they would have had to have sold the farm to skip ahead and gotten any of these guys that went. And People were already pissed about us trading away a fourth rounder to get Jordan Love. How much we would have had to have given up more to trade up higher. So now you're talking about a third round or a fourth and a fourth next year just to get Brandon Ayuk. I I mean, I guess I don't really know what people expected unless you were going to jump all the way up above the Vikings at 22 to get Justin Jefferson, who, like Nick said on the Midwest Coast, Laquan Treadwell 2.0. I'm not really sure what everybody really expected there. So you get the highest guy on the board and everybody gets upset because, you know, you need to get um, a player who's going to help you right now, right? You're one game away from the Super Bowl. Get somebody that's going to put you over the top. Listen, I I'm I saw every one of those games just like you guys did last year. And every team that we played against and everybody that watches the tape should admit that we got a lot of, you, you can call it luck, you can call it, clutch moments you can call it whatever you want but a lot of those games come down to coin flips and you have a team that went 13 and 3 we probably had the talent and the execution to go more of like an 11 and 5 and we had a lot of good injury health along the way at 
look at the recent evidence of um, what our team is. Normally, every year we're uh, talking about losing our top three wide receivers or trotting out undrafted cornerbacks to guard Julio Jones in the NFC Championship game. And if you turn around and look at our quarterback, Rodgers has, in the last five years of his career, really missed a lot of games due to injury. He had the collarbone thing, the hamstring thing, the calf thing. He's not a Breeze, a Brady, a Favre, where, you know, Rivers, Manning, these guys that just line up week in and week out and play. He's he, His game exposes him to more risk, and he's going to miss in the last three to four years of his contract, and I hope that he plays longer. He's going to miss games. And when, when he misses games, we see how bad the backup quarterback position has been in Green Bay, and it's horrible and it exposes the roster and it makes us look like chumps and so i'm not i think what people aren't remembering is that if you have a a six game stretch within any season that rogers misses if we go one and five we miss the playoffs even if jordan loves only value to this team is he allows us to go three and three or four and two against bad teams or whatever whatever it might be that in and of itself has value. And if you get to the end and Rodgers is playing well and it turns into a Brady situation where you trade him away for a first round or a second round pick, you didn't lose anything. We, we got him late in the first with a fourth rounder. I, I, and, and turn on the tape, man. I, everybody's ripping on his last season for throwing 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. His entire offense and coach coaching staff left him. I think there was one offensive starter that came back with him from his like 33 and six uh, touchdown to interception ratio in his previous season. The guy had nothing around him. And Jack was asking who was the best team they played. They played LSU, my guy, the national championship winning LSU. So it's hard to just look at the stats. The guy can make throws that a lot of players in this draft can't. And he, he really is the needs-to-sit-and-season type of quarterback that fits in a team that has an entrenched starter and allows Jordan Love to mature. And in there, everybody understands that it's a very low chance that he goes on and does the exact same thing Aaron Rodgers does where he has a 15-year Hall of Fame career. But if it provides some stability in the wake of Rodgers missing time and gives us a serviceable starter when this is all done... To me, that's worth it. Um, so, and, and I'm going to touch on a little bit more of this whole wide receiver fever thing a little bit later in the draft. Um, but there really wasn't anybody else on the board that's going to help at the first spot. Rodgers doesn't trust his young wide receivers every year we read about it that, oh, he's not on the same page with this guy in camp. And some people call it a diva thing. Whatever you want to call it, that's our quarterback. And if, if he doesn't value the young wide receivers it would have been kind of foolish to take one and then people say oh we'll get patrick queen get a linebacker please we we haven't gotten an athletic playmaking linebacker since what we thought aj hawk was going to be and we could go down the rabbit hole of what aj hawk was but that's not ever something that the packers are going to do as long as we are set up the way we are so jordan love at the point that it was Take it or leave it was probably the best option. So then we get to the second round, and the Packers take A.J. Dillon, uh, who is a running back out of Boston College. He's a big physical guy, 6 feet, 250, 
and he's an athletic specimen. The guy ran a 4.540, which is faster than Aaron Jones. I think people aren't understanding that this guy is a pounder who can also break a long run. And he he might not have caught a lot of passes in college, but if you watch his tape, he has good hands. The reason that he didn't catch a lot is because his coach ran the ball all the time. I mean, we watched the Badgers, and of course, we're one of the most run-heavy teams in the nation. But this guy, A.J. Dillon, forced mo- faced more loaded boxes at Boston College and had twice as many yards against a loaded box as Jonathan Taylor did. And I'm not saying he's better than Jonathan Taylor, but what I'm saying is that this is a guy who is used to having the entire offense tailored around him, and yet he was still productive. He still punched guys in the mouth, and he still put a lot of value down on that team. Back end of the second round, you're looking for somebody that's going to help you in one year. Rookie running backs can help you in the first year of their contract. And so you get somebody that is not a third stringer like everybody keeps saying. He's better than Jamal Williams. All right, we love Jamal Williams because he's a fun locker room guy and he looks like a really good running back and he's not bad, but A.J. Dillon is going to be ahead of Jamal Williams on the depth chart. And then, again, like I go back to people forget that Aaron Rodgers is injury prone. Aaron Jones is also injury prone. The narrative with him every year is how much do you use him? You save him, do you give him 20 carries? Do you give him, you know, 15 carries and a few catches it's he's difficult to manage in that he's very explosive but he's also an injury prone guy AJ Dillon he might not become like the traditional AJ Dillon first and second down and then Aaron Jones third down but he provides you with the pounder that can wear defenses down over the course of a game versus Aaron Jones being the playmaker being the guy who can stretch the field and what have you so I'm tired of people thinking that this is a this is a, a backup running back that can allow us to just not sign um, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. What running back contract extension around the NFL actually pans out? It's it's like one in, out of every ten that teams actually look back and say this was a good deal. And so it's not about cheaping out. It's not about anything. It's about providing value and about getting a running back that can actually punch a team in the mouth. So I love the pick. It's partly because I like watching, you know, physical running backs. I was a big fan of Eddie Lacy too. And this guy's better in terms of an NFL athlete than, than Eddie Lacy ended up being for us. All right. So then we get into the third round and I agree that Josiah DeGuara in terms of value meeting the pick is, is not, was not good value. You, he probably could have been taken in the fourth, in the fifth round. Um, but in terms of the pick itself, if you have a problem with us taking Josiah DeGuara, an H-back, tight end type, then I think what you have a bigger problem with is what the offensive scheme is that we're trying to run. Um, Matt LaFleur, and I don't break down his tape with the Titans or the Niners, but all that I've read on him is that he wants a, a run-first mentality that has a sort of flexibility within it to move guys around. And players like Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara are the keys to that. And that's what we wanted to have Vitaly fill last year, but he got hurt and wasn't able to really fill that role. But he wants to have guys who can 
have the the dual uh, running backs in the backfield uh, and split out to slot, split out to the tight end's traditional slot. And he might look like a reach to some, but again, he wasn't... People keep, you know, first round, second round, third round is where the picks are. But when we're at the back of these rounds, they're basic... I mean, he was basically a fourth round pick. It, it was borderline top 100. And again, who are you going to pick up at that point that's actually going to matter? Josiah Deguara has the potential to do something as a rookie because he fills a role within LaFleur's offense. A speedy field-stretching slot receiver is maybe on the field 30% of the time in this offense, whereas Deguara is probably going to be on closer to 50. So if you have a problem with the pick, it's, it's a bigger problem with what the offense is going to be, and I can't wait to hear you guys ripping it apart next year when we're going 12-4 and four again. I'm not going to break down any of the rest of the draft because once you get to the fifth round and beyond, they're coin flip guys. Maybe that linebacker we got from Minnesota matters. Maybe the offensive lineman develops into something, but I'm, I'm not going to waste any oxygen on guys that could very well be camp cuts by the end of this. All right, the last little bit that I wanted to get to was um, what I'm calling wide receiver fever. And I... I was kind of a victim of it as well. I, I I did want to get one of these wide receivers in this draft that everybody was talking about because it'd be fun to imagine them with Rodgers and everybody was talking about we need to get Rodgers some help because it didn't look like we could make any plays last year. And I have a few points now looking back on it on where I have justified it and I'm probably going to get called a clown by some, but I wanted to get this out because this is how I'm kind of rationalizing it in my head. First things first is that Rodgers, as I said earlier, it's very rare that he actually trusts new wide receivers. And there's a totally separate issue on whether that's right, whether that's a diva mentality. But the fact of the matter is, if he doesn't think that a guy is going to be where he needs to be, he's not going to throw to him. He's not going to trust him. And then you look at the Packers' um, history with rookie running backs. And a a lot of us probably remember that Devontae Adams and Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, they of course became stalwarts within the offense. But if you actually look at the impact they made as rookies, it was pretty slight. I mean, the, the most that any of them had was about 30 catches, maybe a few hundred yards, Look, that's, that's not pushing us past whether it's the 49ers next year or the Cowboys or whoever it is that, you know, becomes the NFC favorite. Rookie, a rookie wide receiver does not change the offense next year. It might change it in two years or three years. But look, the, the roster is full of guys who are young and are still developing on the team. And all we heard about last fall and in many falls from these guys on Twitter, these Corey Bankies that Lamb was talking about, Peter Bukowski, Andrew Herman, Ross Uglum, all these guys all last training camp last year were talking about how much talent we had at the wide receiver position. How are you going to pick, you know, they were talking about keeping seven guys and how do you get Lazard onto the practice squad and all of this. And I'm asking what has actually changed since then? You know, we lost nobody of consequence from the wide receiving core. We we got rid of Jimmy Graham, who was dead weight. And all these guys have another year 
of building that trust and that rapport with Rodgers, which to me, you look at a guy like Equinemia St. Brown, who Rodgers loved last year, him coming back from injury matters more than I would even argue a first round wide receiver would have mattered on this team because Rodgers is going to use him and he's going to throw to him. And then you pick up a guy like Devin Funchess, who was underwhelming as a, I think, a 41st overall pick. But here's another guy who's big, physical, and can win at the point of attack, which makes sense for this offense. And then I heard a lot of people talking about we need a field stretcher. Everybody wants a Deshaun Jackson, Ted Ginn Jr. burner who's going to take the top off a of defense and totally loosen things up. I hate to break it to you guys, but Aaron Rodgers has not been good at throwing deep at this point in his career. You, I've been watching a lot of tape on NFL Game Pass, and again, I'm not a football coach. I'm not trained in breaking down tape, but nine times out of ten, when Rodgers throws a pass deeper than you know what would be classified as a deep ball, he almost always underthrows it. And so, it sure, it would be nice in theory to have this guy who's just going to take the attention of the safety and stretch the field. But in reality, we targeted big physical receivers who have been working on their timing with Rodgers because ultimately that's the style of game that he's going to need. And to everybody that thinks, you know, back to the Chiefs winning, that Tyreek Hill, the field stretcher, that everybody needs that, look at Tom Brady. All right, we, we don't compare Rodgers to Mahomes anymore. He's not at that point in his career. Everybody's comparing Rodgers to Tom Brady. Okay, what field stretcher did Brady win his last three Super Bowls with? Rob Gronkowski wasn't a field stretcher. Julian Edelman, James White, these guys aren't field stretchers. They're well orchestrated within the offense, allowing the accuracy of an aged quarterback to be the benefit. So getting a speedy... Jalen Rigger or any of these guys in the draft that everybody wanted doesn't complement what the offense is trying to do and what Aaron Rodgers' game is going to allow us to do. And again, I also fell into the trap pre-draft of wanting one of these guys. But if if you take a step back and you actually watch the team, it, I don't think it fits with where we're going anymore. So overall, now that I'm a day or two out from being mad at taking Jordan Love and all of this stuff. This draft makes a lot of sense for this team. And I don't care about what Mel Kuyper's draft grades are going to be because these draft grades and these guys that break down the draft, they do it as a general NFL fit. So all they see on the tape is how can this guy translate to being an NFL player? It doesn't truly take into account the fit for each team. And I think that these guys fit where the Packers are in re in regards to who else was on the board that was going to make that sort of impact. And I think that most of the growth of an NFL team, and this is, you know, across nearly every position, happens from the guys that go from that second to third year jump, the first to second year jump. The experienced young guys matter. And that's what we have on our roster and that's who's making the impact on this team. There's only a couple of positions where a rookie, unless they're a phenom, where a rookie can actually make an impact. And 
running back is one of those positions. They got a guy who offers them something that's going to play right now in their offense. Do not view A.J. Dillon as a third stringer backup running back. He's going to play right away, and you can get excited about having a pounder who's going to convert third and ones, fourth and inches, third and goal, who's going to be able to change the dynamic of us being the finesse precision offense to something that can actually line up and smash somebody in the mouth. And I'm happy to take all of the flack that I'm probably going to get from zagging when everyone else is zigging from this draft. But I wanted to put it out there because, like I said, when we're 11-5 and and the wins are more convincing, and then we go up against a team in the playoffs where we're the more physical team, all you clowns can throw on this podcast and remember that you didn't want A.J. Dillon in the second. You wanted Justin Jefferson or whoever else that was going to make it more fun for you to throw on some highlight tape and imagine Rodgers stretching the field. These picks fit this team, and I'm excited to see what happens this fall. Thanks for listening to me gasbagging for the last 20 minutes. I got to go finish mowing my lawn.